0: Uh, we have a budget. We have a state budget in Wisconsin. If you climbed in there two and a half months ago, you're probably coming out and going, hey, we got a budget yet? We do. We just got one signed. The governor of the great state of Wisconsin joins us. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey,
1: I'm outstanding. We're just at Sheboygan South High School where it's 86 degrees on Ooh. the first day of fall.
0: Oh, my goodness. On budget
1: on the last day. In fact, I predicted that. You know this. Yep. I predicted all summer it would be done by the, uh, by the end of summer. And by golly, we got it done on the very last day.
0: You did it. And I want to ask you that first off, because you came through. You delivered. You delivered on many things. But I want to talk about that first. When you made that, when, when, you, when you asserted that a couple of weeks ago, you felt pretty good about where the budget process was. Were you entirely confident that this legislature could deliver a budget to you by the end of summer? Yeah,
1: you know, all along, the interesting thing is, even in June, when some of the other media outlets were saying, and, and they loved to co- cover what they believe is somehow disagreement amongst Republicans, mm-hmm. but I said, you know, the, the real difference is we, we all agree we're going to spend more on property tax relief. We're going to spend more on, on schools, and we're going to put more into transportation. The question is just how much. It wasn't like there were these gigantic differences out there. There were there were differences for sure, but I believed in the end we'd get to a budget. And the good news is we got a budget that put more money in the schools than ever before, and still cuts property taxes in 2017 and again in 2018 eliminates an entire. The state property tax has gone down, cuts, uh, chips away at the personal property tax, freezes tuition now for the sixth year in a Mm -hmm. row at all the University of Wisconsin campuses, and does plenty of other good things as well.
0: Yeah, I would like to remind folks, particularly conservatives who got a little concerned about this or that in the budget. We'll get into that in just a moment. But I would like to remind folks how things stood in October 2010, just a month before you were elected and a few months before uh, you became the governor of the state of Wisconsin. Cato Institute, we will have this coming up in a MacGyver analysis of this budget, but we're going to take a look back. And one of the things I found as I went through this, Cato Institute talked about billions of dollars in tax increases property tax and otherwise all of these things under the Doyle administration particularly from 2007 on this is a different world we have legislators and a governor who are talking about how to end taxes not create them and not expand upon them I would just like to put everybody into a reality check position for a moment here sir
1: well, you're right. Think about it. We the cumulative impact by the time this budget is done. So, over the eight years, uh, the four budgets with this last one, the four budgets I've been involved with. So, over eight years' time, the cumulative impact of our tax relief exceeds eight billion dollars. Hmm. We've got property taxes. Who would have thought in December of 2010 uh, that uh, that when I had said during the campaign I wanted to lower property taxes? I think even my most ardent supporters. Would have doubted it if I would have told them in 2018. In 2018, eight years after we uh, before eight years after the December before we took office, property taxes would be lower in 2018 on a median value home than they were in December of 2010. I think even even some of the most ardent Republicans in the state would have said there's no way that's going to happen. But yet, property taxes and income taxes alike. Will be lower in 18 than they were in 10. We got rid of the state property tax. We got rid of the alternative minimum tax. We chipped away at the personal property tax. We have done, plus, we've, we've expanded work requirements into, into all different areas of welfare. We've done drug testing. We've done, we put new restrictions on University of Wisconsin funding to tie it into performance. Uh, we, we've done all sorts of really good conservative reforms in this budget. But they don't get a lot of attention because those weren't the things we were largely disputing at the tail
0: end. Exactly. Governor Scott Walker joins us to talk about the budget, the budget process, and where we go from here. I just wanted to just linger a bit more on the elimination of taxes, the state property tax, the forestry mill tax. You know, we looked into this at MacGyver during the process. Do you know how many taxes have been stricken from the books in the last 40 years? Four. That's what, that's what we found. This is like, this is a rarity, like, to put it in the parlance of what we all experienced this summer, this is a rarity like a total solar eclipse. It just doesn't happen very often.
1: Well, you're right. And this is one of those where, you know, people say, you know, most people, uh, when they look at their property tax bill, suddenly question themselves and say, what in the world is this state (laughs) item on my property tax bill? Well, for the first time since 1931, it'll be gone because of this state budget. And it's, What I like about it is that it's part of our overall property tax relief, which is why property taxes will be down again in in the next two years. But most importantly is long after I'm governor, and even if the voters see fit to elect me again for one more term, at some point I'm not going to be the governor. We'll pass the baton on at some point in the future. Somebody new will be a governor. There will be new legislative majorities. And the beautiful thing is that tax will no longer be there. And so it's awfully difficult to add a brand new tax. We've seen people raise taxes before. Certainly, if you look at the last time Democrats controlled all the state government, eight years ago, the 2009 to 2011 budget, we saw property taxes go up. We saw a rate on transportation. We saw bonding go sky high. We saw transportation bonding go sky high. And, you know, one of the most interesting things is for all the hype and hysteria, the two state Democrat leaders who've been attacking us – saying there should be more money in schools, even though we put $11.5 billion, the most actual dollars ever, seem to have amnesia and forget that the last time they voted in favor of Jim Doyle's budget, they actually voted to cut
0: uh-huh.
1: $248 million from K-12 through education in the state. So the voters want to know what the difference is, they need only look at the last budget when Democrats controlled everything versus the one we just passed now. And it's a night and day difference.
0: DPI Superintendent Tony Evers seems to have a little bit of, of amnesia, too. He's kind of changed his tune a little bit, but it wasn't too long ago where your potential challenger in uh, the 2018 election, Tony Evers, said, This is a great budget. It's a, it's a kid-friendly budget. He's starting to change. That politics might have something to do with the change change of heart. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you
1: think he called it? A pro kid budget. Yeah, uh, he was singing its praises in the days after the budget came out in February. And the reason is simple: the Department of Public Instruction in their budget request asked for two hundred dollars more per student for every student in the state the first year of the budget, an additional two hundred four dollars on top of that. And lo and behold, the budget I signed yesterday includes. Uh, exactly the same thing. It includes an increase in each of the next two years for schools. And the reason we did that is not only for student success, which as a parent whose kids went through the public schools of Wauwatosa, I I know and appreciate that. I've I've got two nieces in public schools, one in 5th and one in 8th grade as well. But beyond that, as I talk to employers across the state every day, they tell me, you know, I got jobs. I just don't have enough people to fill those jobs. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason I was at Sheboygan South was to see their great technical education center that they have that is spectacular. And, you know, we've doubled the amount of money for fa- or doubled the amount of fab labs, put more resources in there, done other things to expand early college credit, technical education. Why? Because employers are telling us we have jobs and we create more, but we just got to have people to fill those positions. And so we're focused on helping to build the workforce here. Well,
0: we're going to need that more than ever now with the opportunities posed by Foxconn. Uh, and you have to recall that all of this budget that went on went went on under the unprecedented, uh, uh, momentous occasion of this massive economic development project <laughs> as well.
1: Well, it really is. you think take 13,000 direct jobs. I was talking to some of the students just at the last stop, and I was in Mozambique before that, Chippewa Falls earlier today, And they're excited. You know, they're excited about the training they're doing. They're excited about the things that they're doing. When I was in, in Mosene, just out south of Wausau, they were showing me some of the students that fixed their, uh, that fixed their, uh, their tablets there for the students and are part of the computer science program. And when I was at North Central Technical College just a few weeks ago, they were, the kids there, the students there, young people, they're not kids anymore. Young people were telling me about how excited they were to get trained because they wanted to to take uh, and apply for some of those Mm. high-paying family-supporting jobs that will come from Foxconn. I told them, go ahead and apply, but but some of you might want to start your own businesses or look for business opportunities in there because Foxconn is going to have about $1.4 billion a year that they're spending just on supply chain, meeting small businesses all across the state that are going to work in their part of the state to, to provide bits and pieces and services that will be needed for this. So this is really a statewide victory.
0: Yes, and those kids will always have employment as long as there are morons like me who cannot uh, deal with his smartphone or fix his <laughs> laptop or what have you. Hey, I wanted to shift. I know we just have a couple of minutes left. I wanted to shift to the vetoes quickly. Uh, this is a good budget. It's a good, good budget. There are conservative wins here up and down, good for taxpayers, good for Wisconsin in the main. But there was some stuff in here that seemed very anti-conservative to begin with. Public finance authority expansion, giving the PFA eminent domain, that uh, that didn't sit well with some conservatives. At the end of the day, you came through with your word. You had said that uh, you talked to three senators who have been billed, by the way, as renegades and what have you. They they could not countenance uh, some things in this budget and asked if you would veto those things. You did, and uh, about 90 more items. Can you talk a little bit about the vetoes and, and what that did for this budget?
1: Well, that's exactly right. We looked at things like that. We looked at things about referendums and making sure that voters were in charge, that things couldn't sneak up on them on unusual dates. We did a whole series of other things. One of the ones that probably got the most attention was this one about low-revenue school districts, and let's be clear. Again, we're putting we're putting more dollars in the public education, more dollars in the K through 12 education, than we ever had before. But there was a provision added to the budget that would allow school districts below a certain revenue limit uh, to uh, to be able to exceed that limit without a vote of the of the taxpayers in that district. And I just thought that was wrong. In fact, a number of districts that would have qualified for this particular measure had the budget passed for that in without my veto. Would have been dis- our districts that had actually put a referendum question up, and it failed. And then they could have turned around, and the school boards could have voted for it anyway. And I just thought that was wrong. I think that was a front, a front to what uh, the taxpayers wanted in those areas. So, uh, if somebody wants to, if a school board in a low revenue district across the state wants to exceed the revenue limits, they can do it, but they need to have the vote and support of the property taxpayers within that community. The good news is for property taxpayers, there probably won't be many who do that anyway this time because given such a sizable increase uh, into the K-12 through system that I think they're going to be satisfied certainly
0: for the next several years. Gotcha. Uh, one final question for you. Like I said, it's it's a good budget. It's not a perfect budget. There's a, certainly a fair amount of pork in this thing. What did you think when you took that veto pen, you looked over this massive budget, and you looked at some of those pork items? I know that uh, every budget is give and take, but it seemed like there was a, a good deal of taking from, from some provisions, anyway. Well,
1: again, we tried to go after the big things, the things that were fundamental, all the things that uh, Would make fundamental change like the one of taking away the rights of property taxpayers to have a say in what their levy was like, or like you said, the public financing authority, just because I feel that fundamentally gives power to a non-elected body. We uh, reduced the amount of spending. Uh, this is a budget that, thanks to our reform dividend, so the benefits of all the reforms we've done over the last six and a half years, helps put us in a positive place where we could spend on some of our priorities and still cut tax. This is a budget that overall reduces the tax burden. and Like I say, cumulatively, that's some $8 billion. Again, when I was first running in 2010, I think people were hopeful that we would just hold taxes from going up. I don't think anyone ever dreamed that we'd be hitting $8 billion in cumulative tax relief. We're gonna keep doing that going forward. And uh, that's why it's probably the worst kept secret that uh, beginning of November, I'll probably be making some sort of announcement that uh, <laughs> might suggest I'd like to stick around for a while.
0: All right, fair enough. And let me tell you, what a difference about seven years at a governor make, huh?
1: Well, we're glad for it. Most importantly, for Matt and Alex, my two sons, and all the other sons and daughters like those and uh, like the, the two of them and, and uh, all those yet to come, uh, I'm excited. I'm more optimistic about the future of the state than I've ever been. I want to make sure for my kids and everyone else's kids and grandkids that they have an even brighter future going forward.
0: Very good, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Thanks, man. You bet. That's Governor Scott Walker. We need to get to a break. We're a bit on the late side. Be back after news and much more on the Vicky McKenna Show.